strong. That's normally what we bring Shawnee in for to hit record. That's about it. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Get that on the recording. Yeah, I actually will. I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> well, it's a big ahoy to you, Damo. And I'll say it again, mate. It's a big ahoy after the performances last night of the eight-time Olympian Andrew Hoy. I thought that we'd open the show, mate, paying homage to one of the great horsemen in Australian history. Better than the man from Snowy River, I reckon. I thought I was on the wrong podcast there for a second, right? I thought I was on uh, Pirate Life or something like that. But no, uh, nah, old Hoy Boy come through with the goods there. Double medal night. What a what a fantastic outcome for him. And he reckons he's coming back for a ninth and a tenth Olympics, apparently. So we'll see how we go. Mate, if you can ride like that in the grand old age of 60-something, then surely you can keep going. Surely the horse would be more of a concern than what, uh, than what Andrew is at the moment. Yeah, I think he trades them in every two Olympics, so we'll see what happens. He might be on a new horse come Paris. What do you, what do you reckon the, the version is of reduced choice in the equestrian field? Surely there's going to be some style that they will go to, isn't there? Surely. Well, they kept flicking over to like the owners of the horse who were like sitting yes. at home and watching yeah. it. So, yeah, there yeah. must be a place that you go to get you know show, show horses like that because you're not going down to the stud uh, with black caviar or anything like that, are you? <laughs> No, you're probably not. No, I don't think so. But well, mate, mind you, you do. Chautauqua is now. Oh, really? Chautauqua is a, a dressage horse now at the moment, apparently. But mate, there you go. Oh, well, they got the speed on the cross country, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, don't know how they go prancing around in the yard. Especially out the back in Hong Kong, coming over the sprint. But, uh, <laughs> Jeez, we've gone well, full nuffy though, haven't we? We've bloody become uh, equestrian experts overnight. Actually, well, why don't we pose this now? This is the perfect. This is the perfect place to pose today. I mean, you've been speaking about having horse racing, thoroughbred racing in the Olympics. Could you imagine Australia, you know, sending our best 1,200 metre mile, 2,200, 3,200 metre horses and jockeys to an Olympic, uh, Olympic program? Like, could you imagine that? We'd be half decent at that, I reckon. We have spoken about it, but there'd, there'd have to be a few criteria, I reckon. Like, because... My housemate and I had this discussion, like, because is, is the equestrian actually about the, the jockey or is it about the horse? Because if you pick the best horse, I, mean, yeah. I know the jockey does have to execute, but the horse doesn't. So I think in, if it was thoroughbred racing, the horse would definitely have to come from your country. Yes. So yeah. it has to be, to be bred in your country. Aussie horse. So the Aussies, the Kiwis, the Poms, the Japanese, they'd probably yeah. be pretty good. And then, then you might get a few from the Middle East these days. Um, yeah. And then, the jockey obviously has to come from your country as well. So it would be interesting. We've already got a race caller. Matt Hill's got Olympic experience, so he's ready to go. Mate, but what about Rick McIntosh? Are you selling him short? Surely, could you imagine him, Warnable style, calling a Tokyo or Singapore, even Brisbane, Eagle Farm in a few years' time? It would be very funny to see all of the uh, tipsters, bit of Gator, Brussels, all of them. <laughs> imagine them going to the Olympics. Surely, surely there'd be a fashions on the field as well. Mate, I reckon you could have the whole program there if you wanted to. Surely. You could have a, you could have a tipsters gold medal hunt. They have to see how many tips, see how many tips they can provide throughout the week, mate. I reckon there's definitely something in it. Surely. Yeah. Could you imagine what that'd pay and, out if you got the quaddy? If you got all, all the winners of the, the 1,000, the 1,200, 1,600, and uh, maybe we'll go 2,400. Mate, I'm telling you right now, mate, could you imagine that? And it, Brisbane would be the perfect place to implement it in 2032. 
Because as we both know, you've got Doom and an Eagle Farm that back on each other. Mate, surely. There it is right there. Yeah, we'll get Shawnee onto it. We'll get him to call up the Olympic Committee again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And now we'll probably park that uh, horse racing discussion just for the moment. But welcome back to the, the Deckheads podcast anyway. We got sidetracked there a little bit by the, uh, the horse and, and the love of the horse. But welcome back and thank you for joining us, uh, Damo. I'm not sure if Sean's even there. He might be there. He doesn't really talk in these podcasts anyway. So if he's there, hi to you, Sean. But today we're discussing or reviewing the eight days, eight to 10 of the Olympics. And it's gone pretty quick so far, but Damo, there's been a few highlights that we need to really get stuck into. Yeah. So oh, we've already talked about Andrew Hoy, so we'll move on from him. But uh, the next person that we had was Emma McKeon, who yep. your favorite gag that I think I mentioned first, but the excess baggage Qantas is going to have to get another plane for herself. She's got <laughs> four gold medals. What's she end up with seven for the, for the meet? Seven. Yep. Absolutely. Total. Yeah, look, she's probably got another one in her too with the quick backup three years for Paris. So I think she might be able to fill that bag even more. So it'll be interesting. She'll probably take over old Thorpey as the number one medal holder for Australia. Yeah, that's it. So at the moment, she's sitting on five gold with tied with Thor, the Thorpedo, but she's obviously eclipsed anybody else in terms of total medals won. So it's a pretty good uh, feet there from the uh, Swiss Army knife, I like to call it, of the Australian Olympic team. She has relays, she has freestyle, she has butterfly. Mate, she could do whatever. So that's outstanding from her. And um, as Damo suggested, I reckon that her neck might be a bit heavy from carrying around all those medals, mate. Honestly, like, have you got any rehab exercises for a neck? You oh, well, you can program to it? Sean is the gun physio here, so we might pass her on to him. A- absolutely, absolutely. If, you know if those, he turns uh, up, if he turns up. Yeah, if, if he turns up. Yeah, exactly right. Congrats to her. But I think, and on the back of her performance, mate, I think my favourite Olympic race in the swimming pool this this these Olympics has been the women's medley relay final. Mate, I thought that was absolutely outstanding. I know Titmus versus Ledecky in the 400 was probably the the best head-to-head race. But for me, that relay, that medley relay was the cherry on top of a, a great meet for the Dolphins swim team. Yeah, I mean, that probably just goes back to what you're saying about Emma McKeon with being able to front up and swim the butterfly yeah. in, in that medley relay. And a nice little finish off to probably the career of Kate Campbell as well to get get the gold there. So a bit of a little fairy tale finish for her considering she missed out a couple of times in her individual events. But yeah, no, nah, it was exciting to watch. I think we spoke about the um, the mixed medley relay, which I actually really enjoyed. But yeah, for... yeah. It just it rewards a squad that's got good swimmers in all of the all of the events, um, the medley relay. Like it really shows off your Absolutely. talents across the board. So I think that's um, yeah, I agree with you on that one, Rob. And I think that's where it shows where the men hopefully can improve going into uh, the Paris Games. You know, hopefully get that depth across the board or across all the strokes as well, and that will help help particularly the mixed relays there too. But also pay a shout out to Kaylee McEwen in that. Uh, as well, mate. She won the 200, won the 100, won the medley relay as well. So that's a fair Olympics from her as well. Yeah, and, and another person that's going to be back again in, in Paris, you'd imagine. So three years is a long time, but a lot of our squad are sort of probably just building into the prime of their career now. So good signs ahead, Rob. Mate, absolutely. And now I know you have done the form on the, not the obscure sports, but the sports that aren't the mainstream or the new, newly added sports, the Olympic program. And we had a bit of success in the BMX freestyle. 
Logan Martin. Now, what's your synopsis of Logan's performance and how he went? Well, this is one that probably slipped through the radar there, Rob, um, the BMX. I mean, there's just too many cycling events at this uh, Olympics to keep up with. Apparently, Anna Mears is, is an expert on all. She did the mountain climbing, the, the track. She's on the track now. She did the BMX commentary, yeah. and then she was on the road race as well. But, yeah, no, nah, Logan, uh, apparently his neighbours aren't big fans of him because he built a huge BMX track in his backyard. And uh, they, they were interviewing him on uh, Sunrise, and it was one of the best awkward moments on TV I've ever seen. They asked him if he'd be inviting him around for a barbecue to celebrate and he just didn't respond. And they oh, said, oh, oh, they I... said, they said, can you hear us? And he was like, yep. Oh. And just, just left it blank. And then they Kochi, uh, Koshi and whoever else is on there. Nat um, were like, Oh geez, he's just dogged the neighbors there. So he's, he's taking the gold medal and then he's just stuck it up the neighbors there, mate. But yeah, no, it was pretty good. He won it on the, his first run. He said, he's just going to do the safe run. And uh, that ended up being yes. enough points to win it for him. So um, he's clearly good at what he does. Absolutely, and it's an Australian. It's just an Australian thing. Is that building a BMX park, basically your own circuit in your backyard? Like, hey, that's that's outstanding. So he's obviously good on the tools, and he's yeah. not bad on the bike as well. So the the footage of it, it looked it was pretty big too, and it was in like yeah, a sub- was, suburban yeah. street as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's the dedication you've got to go to, isn't it? To win a gold medal. You've got to build your own BMX skate park in your backyard. I think it cost him about 70 or 80 grand, I think he set all up, to build it. So, mate, that is investing in yourself and getting the quality on your own performance. So, you can't beat that. Yeah, well, it's certainly not a couple of milk crates and some uh, two before, is it, that you might set up. It's a proper Ridgy Didge BMX track. So he's done very well there and kudos to him to him for, you know, investing in himself and, you know, annoying his neighbours. Absolutely. I think he needs to go to, uh, was it was it Hello, Hello, Chris and, Chris and Mari's plant farm, the old neighbours be gone tree. I reckon he might, he, might need to, uh, he might need to invest in some of those trees when he gets back. Yeah, or a bit of a you know, safety screen or whatever it is that you put up. So privacy <laughs> exactly. screen, privacy screen. <laughs> well, now we'll move on to your man, Matty Wern. He is your man uh, after the amount of form you did on him. And we know that he basically just had to rock up and sail and he was given a gold medal. So that's, that's a pretty good day in the office, isn't it? Yeah. Our last episode, he hadn't quite been given the medal yet, but he, he rocked up, did his thing. I'm not sure how he actually went in that last meet because, you know, it's just a procession, really. Walk in and collect your gold. But, yeah, no, he he cleaned up and well done to him and another medal for the sailing team, which have been quite successful over the years as well. So, um, good. good. Just added to that gold rush that we had there. Like, that was – that day we actually got four gold medals, which broke the record. So, that was Saturday, the record for Australia, most golds in a day. So, uh, fantastic from Logan Matty to contribute to the girls in the pool as well. Mate, a great day, and it's been a great Olympics, and probably surpassed my expectations anyway. To be honest, for whatever that's worth, and there's still some potential golds coming at sailing as well, which might be revealed later on today. So hopefully, we'll have another one there in the I think that's the 470. So we'll see how we go with that. But if we move our attention to the track, so the obviously the most probably the most popular event at Olympics is obviously track and field athletics, and our Australian men have been pretty good at putting in some pretty good performances. Now, we know the women in the pool have been the dominant uh, medal, or basically the medal achievers for us. And now it seems on the track the men are going pretty well. And we start off with Peter Bowl in the 800. He's flying. 
Oh, he absolutely smashed that 800. Killed it. And just a little bit of me time at the end, you know, the flick of the finger as well, yeah, just to let him know that we're coming through. So, no, nah, but he, coming into that, the back half of that second lap, he looked like he might have been done. And he just, mm. he just kicked, kicked a little bit and he got over the line and, and won. So, yeah, looking good. And it's the first Aussie in 53 years to be in the 800 final. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Like he, he was a red hot uh, runner in, in the semi. So we can see if he can back it up in the final as well. Absolutely, and I think he's obviously got some metal potential in him. I know that there's a, there's a Kenyan in the in the semi-final after him that probably is the uh, the gold medal favourite, but I don't think Pete will be too far behind, so good luck to him, and hopefully he can keep it going. But then we move on to Matt Shervington 2.0, and that is Rowan Browning, who took the, uh, the, the attention of the nation, I reckon, after his 100-metre heat, and Johan Blake's as well. Yeah, when he uh, when he flew past Owen you know, Blake, so that was a pretty good performance, Damon. But I think it was probably a mixed performance from Rowan. I think he would probably say that. Yeah, that, that, that twenty four hours. He, he didn't quite execute in the in the semi final, but I mean, he hasn't actually been competing for that long, and he's sort of a no. pretty pretty fresh on the scene as well. So I think in the commentary and even in his interview, he sort of said that he hasn't really put all the pieces of a good 100-meter run together in one yes. one run yet. So again, with the three-year turnaround to Paris, I think he's one definitely to keep an eye out, and he's definitely on the radar of Australian fans now. So there'll be probably big expectations moving forward. But also apparently likes an Asahi, so <laughs> watch out, bars in Japan. Great, great oh. post-race interview from him. Yeah. yeah, there was a few good nuggets in that, wasn't there? But I think from a performance side of you, Damo, he'll be, I think he'll be 26 maybe in Paris. So that's, that's going to be a sweet spot, I reckon, for obviously people. The old adage is, you know, 26 to 28 is probably like the, the prime in terms of your physical attributes, particularly for sprinting, I'd suggest. So I think that's probably going to be a sweet spot to, to do some serious damage on the, on the world stage, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, there's a Commonwealth Games in between there as well. So, I mean, yeah, if he, that, yeah. that might be a nice way to get a medal on, a, on the big stage and then move into to Paris. So, it'd be good to keep an eye on Rowan moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he'd probably be handicapped out of the stall gift, as he mentioned. So, good luck to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now, mate, let's move on. This is my favourite, this bloke. Big Matt Denny, the Ute Muster. We've called him, we've dubbed him here at Triax, the Big Denny Ute Muster because he's, he's built like a truck and, mate, he's... He's got a bit, got a bit of personality about him too. So, mate, he was, uh, he was pretty good in the uh, discus, wasn't he? Oh, he's pretty stiff. He missed out by five centimeters, <laughs> and he, he will get a mention later on in our awards. Yeah. But yeah, like put in a great effort, and I, again, probably excelled at these games as yeah. well. Probably outdid what the expectation was as well, which is great. And I think he knew that too. So, a lot of people, you know, go on about how people, there's, you know if you're silver or bronze, it's, it doesn't really mean much. But I think in the case mm. of like, if you think about you he was the fourth best in the world on the day at that. Mm. That's pretty bloody good. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and for a, a sport that we're not, you know, renowned for being awesome at, he's mm. done fantastic. And yeah, he's got a great, lot of character. Um, he was in the crowd for old Starkey, who apparently is his roommate for the high jump. And he had this <laughs> printout on his chest saying, I'm Starkey's roommate. So I reckon he'd be a good bloke to have a few Asahis with as well, old Denny. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon he'd tip into a few too. I reckon he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be a one or two sort of operator. He'd, be, he'd go the full slab. I reckon so. he'd be a full 
Bundy can kind of bloke if he's at the Denny yeah. Master as well. <laughs> and like for people at home who don't realise how much he got robbed of the bronze medal by, look at your phone screen. It's probably half the size of that. Like that's how much he's that's how much he's got. Like he's lost the bronze medal by. So like it's it's pretty impressive considering. And, and hopefully again with with Paris on the way, he can really get stuck into some serious work the next few years. And I mean, it, it probably set the standard for the day because we sort of mentioned old Starkey, his roommate, yeah. who, who yeah. was next off the cab off the rank and he tipped in a great performance. And again, this is fifth yeah. place in, in the high jump, but he cleared 235, which the last five mm. Olympics would have got a medal. So yes. if, you put that yeah. in, if you put that into perspective, and we will talk about the, the high jump final a bit later on, but that was a ridiculous yeah. Event. It was crazy, and they were jumping some serious heights. And Starkey got a PB, jumped pretty well, and was just stiff that the competition were really on that day because, you know, as we said, five the last five Olympics, he would have had a medal around his neck. Absolutely. And then if you go from the high jump to the long jump, Brooke Stratton obviously did pretty well in the long jump final. Just, she just Every time there's a big meet on, I think that's why they keep dubbing it. She's just a performer. She just seems to turn up. So she, I think she was 683, I reckon, was her best jump in the final, which was good enough for seventh demo. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, she finished seventh at Rio as well. She's actually she's a local girl. She went to Deakin as well. She trains out of East Burwood. And apparently, I was reading on Twitter today, the whole of last year, she was practicing jumping on grass, not even in the <laughs> sand pit. So, like, yeah. you talk about preparation for Olympic Games and someone's, you know, pretty much having to train in their backyard for an event like the long jump. It's a pretty good performance. And, again, she's, she's done quite well. Commonwealth Games is probably where she'll do her most damage. I reckon she'd be a sniff of a medal um, at that next one. But, yeah, I'm not sure if she's got another Olympics in her now that she's in her mid-20s. There you go. All right, so we've got all that out of the way, Dano. So now the important discussion point is that Australia won a medal in tennis, mate. We won the bronze in the mixed doubles, Dano. And, and now, like Matty Wern, just had the rock up. That's it. Just walk to the court, put your bag down, and there's your bronze medal, buddy. We will get to this point, but... You said you weren't going to watch it, but geez, did you not get pumped up in the group chat? In the group chat, you were like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, mate, they didn't even play. But yeah, well done to Barty and Piers. They were pretty stiff well to miss out on the silver yeah. and gold match. So I feel sorry. The only person I feel sorry for is the Serbian mm. female tennis player who got let down severely by uh, old Novak throw the toys out of the cot. But um, no, Novaks. Novaks, Djokovic. Novaks. <laughs> But yes, another medal that just adds to the tally. And um, all right, Ash will be back in Paris, and I reckon she'll oh, absolutely she'll be yeah. better for it for this this tournament. John Pierce, I'm not sure he'll well, he's mixed doubles specialist. He'll probably be back again as well. Yeah, absolutely. And mate, I was just ecstatic with that news. And obviously, didn't get on the court, but mate, but that's all you need. And outstanding. So the first medal in tennis since Alicia Molik bronze in Athens. So outstanding. Hopefully, we can get a couple better. In Paris in a few years' time, mate, I reckon it'd be perfect. Be cherry ripe. So we'll see how we go there. And then obviously, mate, we've got the Boomers as well. They keep on keeping on. So they play Argentina tonight in a quarterfinal. And they've been dealt an interesting hand. So if, if they win, hopefully they do. Fingers crossed they'll play the winner of Spain and the US, which is a, that's a great matchup in itself, to be honest. And I don't think the US would be as hot favourites as what everyone would expect them to be. 
Yeah, what's the go with the old quarterfinals in in the basketball? Mm. They they draw it out of a pot instead of being seeded yes. based on results. So pretty stiff because Australia would have had to have been up there in terms of seeding. And mate, and that's what people say. And so you you basically look at the quarterfinal, semifinal bracket, which Australia is in. It's Australia, Argentina, Spain, and the US. That would be good enough to be its own semifinal or two semifinals in itself. So Australia probably. If they could have chosen, they probably would have liked to have been on the other side of the draw with uh, France and Slovenia and Germany and Italy. But obviously, you can't uh, you can't choose now. But I think if you want to win gold, you have to go through America eventually. So you yeah. may as well try and knock them off. But hopefully, Spain can do us a favour before that before it gets to that, mate. So we'll see. But plenty of popcorn viewing coming up in the basketball, mate. So we've had the highlights. What about the lowlights mm. oh, uh, the past mate. couple of days? You kick off with the first one, mate, because this is your domain, this one. Yeah, well, we'll start off with last night, which we're still feeling here in the Triax team. I know we're a bit tired after a big night of sport, but mm-hmm. the Matildas, what you could probably say got robbed um, by the Swedes oh. um, in, in that semi final. So for those that weren't watching, there was a free kick just before halftime for Australia. Hit the free kick, Sammy Kerr ran onto it, banged it in the back of the net, and we got called back for a pretty dubious foul which been looking on the forums and there's there, there is a bit of chat out there that actually may have been because the players were in an offside position and prevented the players from getting through so look it's pretty soft i i, I reckon it probably should have been a goal but i mean if you get yep. the rule book rule book at it it may have been the right decision <laughs> from the referee but look we're not we're not shopping at ikea um at least for the next week the boys at triax in protest of that and then the goal that sweden got just after halftime was what you would call stiff. That was oh. very stiff. Deflection, gets a shit bounce, keeper parries it up, hits the crossbar, rebounds straight up, and the Swede knocks it in. And after that, look, we had our chances, and we definitely did have the opportunity to get back on the board. But I think the girls definitely were very tired, and the the route one option that they were going for yes got old pretty quickly. So um, still a great performance and there's still a medal chance for the Matildas. So it's not all doom and gloom, but yeah, certainly very deflating last night to watch. The The only highlight to come out of that though, is the Yanks got knocked off by the Canadians and the Americans were so confident that they're going to be in the final <laughs> that the broadcast for the final was actually primetime America. So now it's going to be Canada versus Sweden primetime and, and the bronze medal match against the Matildas is at 4am in America. So Stick it up, yeah, the Yanks. That's what you get. That's that's almost a platinum medal in itself, mate. If we knock them off, it'll be a platinum medal. But how good's that? Yeah, fantastic. I, I just cannot believe that a country that's not hosting it gets to dictate the TV oh, times. Unbelievable. And it's the same with the basketball final as well. The men's basketball final will be at 11 or 12 o'clock Australian time, which is obviously prime time in the East Coast of America. So yeah, it's a bit of a gag, Dave, I reckon. Just, yeah, it's ridiculous. But the more times this happens where they don't make the final that they thought they are going to be in, the better it is for everyone else. Absolutely, mate. We'll move on to your domain, though, mate. So I've had my rant. What about you? Yep. You've got one ready uh, for us. Yeah, the Hockey Roos, mate. That was pretty tough to watch yesterday. The Hockey Roos went undefeated through five pool matches and then faced the lowly India. Now, India are historically a hockey nation, per se, but their women's team isn't the strongest, and that would be... I guess, justified by their fourth placing in the other group. And unfortunately, the Hockey Roos went down 1-0 in the quarterfinal stage. So that's very disappointing for them. 
and I guess obviously all of us as, as spectators. But yeah, it was just not yeah not great for them considering they started the tournament so well. So I think yeah, it was mate, just a case tough. of not being able to capitalise on the opportunities because I, I was watching yeah. it during my lunch break and geez, we had a lot of attempts on goal. Oh, yeah. We just couldn't put one yeah. in the back of the net. So. Um, unfortunately, in those finals matches where it counts the most, you've you've got to bang one in to to win the game. And India were the team that did. Absolutely, and fair play to them. Hopefully, they go on and win a medal. Be massive for India. So, so good luck to them. The men still in, thankfully. So the hockey roos, I mean hockey roos, the the Kookaburras play again tonight to get into the gold medal match. So hopefully, mate, fingers crossed, they can get the job done there. But. Yeah, that, that's not too. That's not as bad as my tennis rant a few days ago. So that's not bad. That was pretty composed, I thought. Yeah, you, you're not as flat about that one. Um, probably because <laughs> no. it, it was a quarterfinal. Like it wasn't. It wasn't de- deciding for a medal right there. Yeah, um, exactly. We're not going to boycott any Indian restaurants. Let's just say that. No. I, the, the only other low light that we had, um, which was an interesting point. So Liz Clay was in the yes. in in the hurdles. And the hurdles, yep. There was three false starts in that mm. in that semifinal. She ended up missing by like what half a second or something like that yes. to, to get yeah. through. But in one of those false starts, she'd absolutely belted mm. out the gates and was yeah. probably on yeah. on there. And um, it's an interesting one because the the stop start nature of those false starts can really butcher your preparation there. Because she put a bit of gas out. She probably got over one and a half or nearly two hurdles. And then she's got to go back and wait again. So unlucky for her. But again, she is in that category of she's going to be around again for Paris. So hopefully she can rectify that and make a final in Paris. Yeah, hopefully. Because she's obviously a good competitor and trains hard. And, and obviously she has portrayed openly some of the, the struggles that she's had to get to this point. So, mate, fingers crossed she can get the job done next time. But all right, we'll go to some interesting discussion points. Before we get into the awards for the last couple of days, there's a few discussion points that are very pertinent that we discuss. The first one that's come to our attention, probably through track and field generally, is the amount of swagger on track and field athletes at these Olympics, or just generally. But we didn't really see it with the swimmers because obviously they have to wear all the gear and you know, goggles and, and speedos and stuff. But, mate, the swagger on these athletes is there a scientific relationship or correlation between the amount of swagger you have pre-race and your performance and then eventual standings in the event? Ah, oh, look, <laughs> there's some ridiculous outfits and um, pre-race pump-ups, but yes. look, it is an event where, you know, you, you've seen it a lot on the broadcast where they sort of want clapping from the crowd and the only people that are there yeah. are like the opposition coaches and maybe a few athletes from your country. So it, it must be very difficult for them because uh, these sports sort of rely a lot on that, that G up, that pump yeah. up beforehand. Like yeah. you see it, every high jumper claps themselves before they're going in. Um, mm. <laughs> unless you're starky with old big Denny Ute muster behind you, there's not a lot going on in the crowd. So I know if I was a coach, I wouldn't be clapping on one of the opponents, but um, yeah, look, I don't know if there would be, especially at this Olympics. I feel like if there was a mm. crowd, then maybe there is something to it that it gives you a G up. But, you know, dyeing your hair green or like that bloke in the shop put that looked like the Joker or, you know, <laughs> wearing massive watch or necklace or headband yeah. or whatever, or just ridiculous speed dealers. I, I, I don't know what it's going to do for you. Like you're running 
some of them are running at night and they're wearing sunnies. The speed deals. And that's okay. So that's, that's where this conversation started from, mate. And it was the, uh, the rise of the space age specs. So the, our Qatari uh, high jump champion, I think Bashim, I think is his uh, correct name. I could be wrong on that, but he was rocking a fair set. They were, they were pretty good. And then Johan Blake also in the hundred at night, rocking these the, the big sunnies. And I just don't get it, mate. I don't get what the deal is. The only thing I can think of is that they're getting paid a lot of money by a sponsor to wear yeah. it. That that's about it. Hopefully, hopefully, I'd yeah. imagine. But yeah, oh, we go back to our discussion about the science behind it. I, I think it's just an ego <laughs> thing. It, it's got to be. Like, yeah, Shawnee would do that. Shawnee would wear Oakleys while yeah. running at night. Like, 100%. absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Since since being on his on his uh, other podcast, he defected us for. I've been told that he, he's he's rocked those sort of specs in the Packham shopping cell just because he, of how big he reckons he is. I heard he's done a funky Miller and he's gone bright blue hair. But <laughs> well, I, I will I will see him the, tomorrow, so I'll, I'll confirm. But that that's the rumor going around, and he's got a big gold chain as well. Like, um, but Colin Miller's an interesting point. But he might come up later on. In a bit of an honorary sort of awards that I've just made as an impromptu thing. But all right, now if we, if we want to go back to the high jump, because this is a bit of a serious conversation and it's a great discussion point. We saw in the men's high jump final a very good act of sportsmanship in the two, the Italian and Qatari high jumpers were both locked together at 237 or 239 and they both couldn't be split. They went to countbacks, they were even on countbacks and then they were faced with a couple of options. One was to have basically a sudden death jump off or they could share the medal and they opted to share the gold. First of all, Damo, how do we feel about athletes having the option to elect to share a medal? And do you think that's appropriate? I was having this chat with me housemates and I... Like every other event, like if you're in a sprint or a swimming race or whatever, and if it's a dead heat, mm. split the medal. Now, mm-hmm. they did the count back, but the thing was that they they could have had, like, they could have been there all night jumping at 239. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't think they were going to clear it the way they were going. No. But yeah, that made me question, couldn't they drop it down to 238? Just, just to get a clear jump yep. or, or go back to 237 and you, you got to have a jump off there or something like that. I, I probably would have liked to have seen the jump off at least for like, yep. maybe just, just go here. You've got you, it, like a penalty shootout. You've got three attempts or something like that. If you don't get it, if you, neither of you get it, then call it even, but it was more the fact that like, it was just those two left and they didn't go for it. I think giving the option to the mm. athlete, like, in that case, like maybe one of them's thinking, oh, I'll just go along with it because maybe I don't think I'm going to get it. But it was good to see because I, I, yeah. I think with, with the other sports, like I said, there, there is dead heats in other sports and they split the medal. But I feel like it could have gone on potentially a little bit longer. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on it, but it just seems it seems odd that you give them the option to just opt out of attempting it. Yeah. I, I don't know what the official like rules are in, in high jump, what you're meant to do, but... It seems like they just went, yeah, we'll cut our losses here and both just take a goal. Well, that's exactly what I, my thoughts are. The, the thing I don't necessarily like about that is giving the athletes the choice to do that because they, at the end of the day, there's a gold, silver and bronze medal. That's what the, the three are. And there's, a win, there's obviously winners of the Olympics. And 
that to me, I think there was a good tweet about this was saying it was more of a a compromise to get a mutually beneficial outcome rather than actually winning, essentially. Like, they both obviously won, but they both didn't want to lose the gold. So they both said, okay, well, let's just yeah, take our fair share and go with it, which that's why I feel like there might be an issue with giving athletes the option to do it. Like, rather than just say, well, let's put it in the rule book that you just do a sudden death jump off and then take the athlete's discussion out of it. Like, I get the gentleman's agreement, and it is nice to see it's a good spectacle, but it's also a high-performance sporting event where there are winners and losers. So, mate, I don't know. It's tough. I don't, I don't mind it, but I just think, well, you know, there is gold, silver, and bronze for a reason. Yeah, you're at the pinnacle of the sport. It's it's not exactly. It's not Oz it's, it's not, where you don't keep yeah. score. Like it's, you've some people have trained their entire life for that, and then to just yeah be like put it in their hands. I think like you said, mm. if it's in the rule book, this is what you got to do. That's what you should have to do. Yeah. And then if they get to a point like similar like the cricket world cup final where they it went back on a count back on boundaries or yeah. you know that yeah. crap like it that's that's when you go okay well stiff luck for whoever loses, but you've mm. got to go to the point that they've got set in the rule book rather than going, giving them, like you said, a mutually beneficial decision. So um, yeah, interesting, but mm. a good, yeah, it is, good it show is of sportsmanship, which is what the Olympics is about as well. It's about fair play as well, as much as, you know, elite performance. Absolutely. It is and absolutely no shying away from that, but I do suspect Damo that the IAAF and IOC might change that rule before the next Olympics. I think mate. Uh, I reckon that'd be a safe bet. <laughs> uh, all right. So now if we want to move on to Novak Djokovic and the unfortunate circumstance, I think is obviously you mentioned earlier for his mixed doubles partner who was deprived of the opportunity to compete for a medal, which I think is a bit disappointing. And Novak lost a tight bronze medal playoff to, I think Pablo Corena from Pablo Corena Busta from Spain. So, then later on in the day, he had to come back and, and play mixed doubles, which I don't think he really wanted to do, and pulled out. So what do you think about that? I think it's it's tough and obviously good for the Australians, but like, yeah, it's, not, it's not a good look, is it? It's not a Grand Slam final. They hadn't played five sets. Like It's not like he yeah. would have been like, dead. And, and the mixed doubles only goes to two sets, and then you play the tiebreaker. So I think it's just a case of old Novak's attitude that's, sort of clouded him throughout his career, just coming back to bite him again and just shows that he's still not in that class of like professionalism that, you know, your Nadal and your Federer's have always been where they're just essentially like the pinnacle of that. Like I can guarantee that Federer and Nadal would have rocked up to play that mixed doubles. Cause there's someone else, reckon, involved. Yeah. there's someone else involved as well. It's not just your yeah. individual event. Um, and yeah, I think the, country. Yeah. The, the carry on as well in, his yeah, game reach, he yeah. threw his racket three quarters of the way into the grandstand. Like if that happened at a tournament with spectators, you would be DQ'd right yeah, there. Like, yeah, straight away. Absolutely. And then he did it again. So I, I like, and you know, people come out and defend his behavior, but you can't do that. Like, even if there is no one in the crowd, like you can't throw mm. your racket 20 meters into the grandstand. So absolutely. Yeah. But so the thing is, mate, my point is here, if Serbia were playing in the gold, in the gold medal playoff for mixed doubles, I reckon he would have been there. To be honest, oh, 100%, I reckon that 100%. He, he would have been there. So, you know, that's, it is disappointing. And hopefully, you know, it's something to reflect upon, I guess. And I hope, yeah, obviously good for Australia, but, you know, not good for, for, for tennis, I don't think. No, and, and the partner, like we said. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now I think our last discussion point we have for the last couple of days is obviously the men's track and field team. And we've spoken at the individual performances before, but I think collectively it's been very good, the, the men in terms of the track and field and some pretty good performances there that might hold us a good stead for future Olympics to come. Yeah, it's certainly not like our strength um, track and field events at the Olympics, but the blokes mm. have, have done a pretty good job overall just to get us into some finals and give us a chance to, to win some medals and just show what we've got going. Again, like going into the Olympics, we probably don't expect too many medals track and field, but it does put you in good stead for like upcoming events. So like common games and that, and it gives these athletes a chance who are relatively new in their international careers an opportunity to compete on the world stage and, and get used to the pressure of, of that. So yeah, look, we're, we're probably not bringing in a huge bag of medals at the moment, but for experience sake and moving forward, it's looking pretty good for the track and field team. Absolutely. I think the one man we haven't mentioned so far is Steve Solomon in the 400 as well. He's going really well. So congratulations to him on his performances so far. He's, he's, he's burning up the 400 track. So, but him, Peter Boll, the Denny Mustar, Stark, like there's a, there's, a, there's a good collection of, yeah, of, of athletes there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's it's good to see them have a crack. And, and as you say, we're not a powerhouse in athletics generally, but you know, getting into finals is good enough exposure to inspire the younger generation anyway. So, and that's what it's all about. So, uh, hopefully that can, can, can continue on, mate. All right, so now we're at the best part of the show. And this is my favourite. And that is the, our awards for the last couple of days. So, if you just tuned in, uh, last episode, we introduced our three awards. We've got the Ted Witten Award, which is for basically performances, performances that stuck it right up the rest of the world. And then we've got the Farlap Award demo, which is for what? Showing a lot of ticker. Yeah. Without an, necessarily... an Aussie spirit, yeah. Without yeah, necessarily absolutely. winning a medal, but you've shown a lot of ticker yep. in Australian pride. Yep. Beautiful. And then Jane Savile Award, which is my personal heartbreaking Olympic moment where Jane was cruelly disqualified from the 2000 gold, uh, 2000 Olympics uh, in the race walking, denied a certain gold, gold medal. But this yeah. one's for obviously heartbreak and disappointing, disappointing outcomes for Australia. So if we want to kick off for the Ted Winton Award, for those that stuck it right up to the rest of the world, Damo, who have we got? Yeah, first option today is Emma McKeon. Yeah, that's mate. That's, that's a, that's a lock, Just, isn't it? Yeah, it goes without saying really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then the next one, number two, we've got Peter Bowl again. Performance is not done yet, and hopefully we'll be on this list next time we have an episode, but a scintillating 800 metre semi and looks well poised for the final, doesn't it? Yeah, look, he um, hopefully doesn't end up on our Jane Savile Award or Farlap Award. No. I, I, I hope he stays there in the Ted Witten category, old Peter. Yes. Yep. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then our third nominee there is Kaylee McKeown. Um, 200 meter backstroke. She's, um, yeah, had a great Olympics and three golds. Pretty good. Did stick it up. Em. Absolutely. She did backstroke queen. Uh, so then next we've got the file app award. So obviously for the big tickers without necessarily winning a medal. And that's number one it has to go to the Ute muster. Big Matt Denny, our man. He, uh, he was good. He was very good in the uh, discus and, and was just stiff, but, Obviously, this award's fitting because his heart would probably be just as big as Farlap's. He's got a very broad chest. He's got a barrel chest, big the U Master. So, what well under him? 
Yeah. Do you want to go the second one as well there, Rob? This is your right. territory. Oh, yeah. The Opals, mate. So we haven't really spoken too much about the Opals in this, uh, this podcast so far, but a Herculean effort for them to make the quarterfinals. They had to win by 25 points against Puerto Rico to win, and they managed to win by 27 points, and that went right to the wire. So congratulations to them. They now face the United States, which on previous form they've done, they've beaten them. So you never know what's going to happen in a knockout tournament. So well done to them for actually getting there and, and still keeping their middle hopes alive. Yep, and then the third one we have is the Australian men's pursuit track team. So the track cycling has kicked off. Previously, we've been very competitive in this part of the Olympics. We've been off for a little bit here, but the the men's pursuit track team have made it. One of the riders, Alex Porter, his handlebars snapped mid-race and he's face-planted on the track, which anyone that's seen that, the big angular wooden floor, that would have hurt. He had a big graze up on the nose, but... He fronted back up within 20 minutes um, for his next event. So for Alex Porter, that gets him on the old Farlap Award list. Does mate, it's pretty like it's pretty scary. Like the handlebars go in front underneath him, and then he's on the he's on the velodrome floor. So when yeah. when you're going um, well, at you know 50, 60 clicks as well, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're going for a, a bit of a, a ride, a Sunday ride. So well done. And now the Jane Savile Award. So we don't really like giving these out, but unfortunately, we do have some nominees and. First one of my girls, the Hockey Roos, yeah, shattering for them and not even not making it to a medal round, which I think is pretty disappointing. And they would have had their hopes set a lot higher than that. So they're the first nominees for the Jane Savile Award. Yeah, number two, which we talked about extensively earlier, the Tilders. Yeah, nothing else needs to be said there. And, and hopefully IKEA face the brunt of the, uh, the, that loss, which, which we hope. And then uh, third one, Liz Clay. So we spoke about her early in the podcast and with the, the false starts in their semi and, and then missed the final by a pretty bare margin. So unfortunately for her as well. So she rounds out the Jane Savile Award. But Damo, there's one, there's one final event, there's one final award, mate, that I've just thrown in just uh, particularly off the back of some of this discussion. We've got the Colin Funky Miller Award for the most, <laughs> for those who don't mind the accessory, basically. For those who don't mind to play up and a bit leery with their get-up and their, and their kit. So uh, the first one, mate, is our Qatari high jumper, uh, Mutaz S. Bashim. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. I apologise if I haven't. The big specs of the gold medal. Like he, to, to be fair, he won the gold medal, so he backed it up, but I'm not sure about those specs. Yeah, uh, second nominee is uh, Johan Blake, who I think's also got yeah. the, the Oakley sponsorship. Um, <laughs> Might want to get his eyes checked if he needs them at night time uh, under the floodlights. But yeah, that's nominee number two, Johan Blake. Yeah, get into OPSM. And lastly, I don't think you'll know this one, Darren, but this one caught my eye in the 200 metre heats on the track. It's Ken Benarek. I reckon it's actually, it's actually close to your last name. It sort of looks like Bednarski. It's, it looks like Bednarek, but the D apparently is silent, so it's Benarek. And the 200 metres, he was wearing a karate style headband sort of a Roger Federer the tied up at the back the white one oh, I, I did yeah, not sure Mr. Mr. Miyagi on, stuff yeah just before we came on air I, I saw him running around and I did think exactly the same thing about the surname yeah. yes. he's in good territory there but yeah look wax on wax off not sure what he's doing that for in the 200 meter event not sure but, I think definitely want to throw this one out to the fans we'll chuck it up on yeah. the Instagram um, I reckon there they could be a few 
additional nominees here for the old yeah. Funky Miller Award because there's some very out there hairstyles going. Yeah. I haven't jotted down the yep. names, but they're coming to mind here. So jump onto the socials and give us your thoughts on that because we will like, our nominees up there and our winners. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a few, maybe a few female sprint athletes may get a few nominations there that we've missed as well. So we'll say to Ken, though, he did win 200 meter heat comfortably. So I think if you can back it up, it's okay. I reckon if you've got the gear and you can still back it up, then that's all right. But if you if you're wearing the shades and and you've got the headband and you can't really get the uh, the performance together, then it might be time to go back to the drawing board. But we'll discuss that for a later date. We, we might have a fifth category soon. The uh, the the Chevro oh. package award. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that might be for the hot dogs up late version. <laughs> that, that's what I thought, Rob. We might leave that yeah. one out there. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, well, on that note, thanks for coming. Thanks for jumping on, Damo. And uh, we'll review our Australian performances in a couple of days. Yeah, Go always, boomers. always a pleasure, mate. Rest up, get your sleep in. You need an afternoon nap for some late night viewing coming up here. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Thanks for jumping on and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time on the Deacons podcast.